Welcome to Pearson Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 204. And this is an interesting episode. They're all interesting. Yeah, all of our episodes are intriguing, captivating. What makes this one? What makes this one? Well, okay. Intriguing like the others, but differently. <laughs> all right. So I'm not a big fan of lists. Like, I know that's like we do a lot of lists. Like, that's kind of what you do on a podcast or a YouTube channel, especially when it's something that you're trying to be practical and give individuals stuff that they can take action on. So, I've been noticing, you know, there's this constant theme about these are things you must do as a reseller, or, you know, especially in the social media space, you know, there's certain things that certain influencers push that we even push. And so, I was pondering this the other day and I thought, is it really that important? Like, is it so important or is it a preference thing? So I, I took what I felt were the top 10 that of some people say they're important and they're not important. And I thought I'd ask you your thoughts All right. as a new seller. And then I'd give my feedback on it. So then this is really the top 10 things resellers must do maybe. or not. <laughs> or maybe, maybe. Hey, but before we get started, if you haven't had a chance yet, go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle and sign up for that membership. $5 a month. We drop about eight episodes. We're hoping to do more in the new year. All depends on where things land. But for less than a cost of a dollar for each episode, you're just telling, hey, Pure Hustle, we appreciate what you do. You've helped us out a lot. And we'd love it if you would sign up again. That's buymeacoffee.com slash Pure Hustle. Link is on the bottom or just go to the link in our bios on social media. Right. All right. So we're going to go through some of these. Uh, Do you understand what you're looking at? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I this, you know, so things in your mind, sometimes they make sense. And then when you bring them into reality, they don't make sense. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see if the way I'm interpreting the information is the same as as you intended. So let's uh, let's get into yeah. it. Well, it's funny. Right before we recorded, I was about to explain this to you, and then I thought, let's do it on the podcast. So let's see how it's super organic. Yeah. All right. So one thing that you always and we've preached this ourselves all the time. Like it is now. I've had I've seen maybe one or two on social media counter this. But the idea of consistently listing on eBay, do you think that's important or do you think it's kind of this myth has developed in the reselling community that actually leads to more sales? I think I think there's two aspects of this. I think I think it is important uh, for majority of resellers. And, and the two reasons I think it is, is one, the algorithm we talk about and again, how much that plays a, a fact um, I'm not 100% sure, but even if even if you were to avoid the algorithm and say, okay, eBay is not going to be pushing you if you're if you're listing more, the more you're listing, the more inventory you have, the more inventory you have, the more potential sales you're going to have, right? So um, no matter what, listing more is going to if you're listing the right things. Obviously, we're not saying you know list rocks, but the more Maybe. the more things you list. Uh, the chances of your your daily conversions are going to go up. The, the number of items you're actually shipping out each day is going to increase as you have more items listed. Um, part of that could be an algorithm, which we nobody knows exactly how it works, but there does seem to be a correlation between the number of items you're listing and how often you're, you're converting sales. Is eBay pushing your store? Things like that. Uh, but then the other aspect that I think is probably important besides just that is the psychological aspect. If you are kind of doing the grind. If you're grinding it out, right? Every day you're listing, you're shipping, you're sourcing, you're listing, you're shipping, you're sourcing. You've got a routine. Now, if you take a week off from that, you take a few days off from that, you're going to fall out of the habit. What was, I just wake up, I list five items. Before I go to bed, I list five items. Turns into, I haven't listed in a few days. I'm going to list a couple items. And you fall out of a groove, you fall out of a routine. And that's going to have an impact on you too. Um, We notice 
when, you know, you take a couple of days off of work, it takes you a few days to get kind of caught back up to where you were mm -hmm. and some of it's routines and some of it's just things you've missed. And so I think that th those two things are both important for consistently listing algorithm and just number of items in your store and the psychological element of this is a, a routine or a discipline or it's kind of that perseverance of just plotting your way through it. And you're going to have success with that. Now, is that for everybody? I would say maybe if you're the type of seller who you're selling really, really one-off unique items and you're maybe only have a store with five, 10 items, but you're selling like high end. See, I wonder how those stores do though. But if you, but, but that's the thing is that if, I think if you're looking for a specific type of guitar and there's only like six of them in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got that guitar, I think it doesn't matter if that's the only thing you have listed. When the right buyer comes to it, they're going to come to it, whether or not you're listing every day, right? I just, I just wonder about like cook groups. So if you're in a cook group, right, you're, you, the bolo drops. If you don't know what a cook group, think of a discord or think of a, I don't know what else you would call it, a look, be on the lookout group or something. So you're in this discord and they're like, hey, this item is hot. Or maybe they say there's, you know, there's these 20 items that are hot. So you go and you source and that's, and let's say you're a brand new seller and you open up your eBay account and you just list those five items. I think I wonder how they, how they do. Like, and let us know in the comments if, if that's you or, you know, have experience that I, I do, I see what you're saying. Like if that one unique thing, cause I've done that when we were, you know, before we were like resellers, quote unquote, I mean, we would list stuff and it still would sell. Mm -hmm. Right. But it all depends on the item. Yeah. The item's going to matter. And and again, no matter what, it's always, I think the people who kind of push back against the, the algorithm idea, I think there's truth to that when let's say it's Nintendo switch and there's just not very many of them mm -hmm. and it's hard to get, if you've got one listed on eBay and that's all you have is 20 of them, that's all you've listed in the last month and they're priced competitively, they're going to sell because that's the hot item people are going for. Um, so I think, I think if you've got the right items that people are looking for, they're going to sell. But if you're doing kind of the the garage sale type store, we've got lots of different types of items, lots of different unique items. Um, I think the more consistent you are, the more conversion you're going to have. Just because like we've said so many times, if you walk into a store and they only have 10 things on the shelf, you're not looking for those 10 things you leave. But if those are 10, the 10 hottest items in the world, yeah. you know, that, that store is going to be flooded with people. So it really just depends on what types of item you're selling. I would say for vast majority of resellers consistently listing is going to be a beneficial thing, even if you are selling those hot items, because again, the more inventory you have, the more total you know sales you're going to get. So if you're selling them like hotcakes, as soon as you list a Nintendo Switch, as soon as you list a PlayStation 5 or whatever they are now, and they're selling, then you're going to want to be consistently listing because that's more money in your pocket. Yeah. And also along with that, it doesn't guarantee sales. I, I, and and we don't know how the algorithm works, right? Have you? I've done it sometimes where I go on a listing spree and I'll, I'll list, you know, a listing spree for me is like 25 items, right? In one sitting. And then the next day, it's still crickets. The next day it's crickets. And then three days later, it's sale, 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 sale. Now, is that because of what I did three days ago? I'm not sure. But as long as you have the right item, because there are some individuals that list, I mean, there's some awesome people out there that list 100, 200, 250 a day. Right. There's a big time sellers that sell more than that. Right. And one of the reasons they're listing is not necessarily to trigger the algorithm, but it's because they need to keep inventory in their store. Right. Because they're, they're flying through so much. And right now, I honestly and I've shared this before because of everything going on with Amazon and, you know, retail arbitrage, I have not been listing, but I've had all kinds of sales. And I think it's because the amount of inventory that's already in my store. Now, 
that will eventually calm down. But so right now, my goal was to have 2,500 listings by this time. I'm down to 2,100 right now just because I haven't been listing and stuff is selling. And so I'm going to run into a problem at the end of Q4 here if I don't keep listing where I'm going to have low inventory. And then when things slow down, it's going to really hurt me because I'm not going to have as much inventory. And plus, if the algorithm does essentially trigger more because of listing, that's going to slow down too. So I need to keep that up. So I think we both agree that for multiple reasons that listening consistently is important. All right. What about, what about this one? I don't know. I, I think I'm going to end up speaking on this one a lot, but the need for extra software to sell on eBay and Amazon. Have you used anything extra? Since? Yeah, um, extra. I, like I, outside of the app, the native app. I use, I use, um, I kind of cross use, I use the Amazon seller app to help find certain items that I list on eBay, right? Retail arbitrage. So I'm using an outside tool. Um, I've used other outside tools for book scanning. And of course we've talked about Terra Peak, right? So mm-hmm. I think, I think the more tools that you can use that are useful, the better. Now, if you've got a whole bunch of tools that you've, you're paying for because you want this program that can do this and this program that can do this, and you're not actually utilizing them or don't need them, um, it's not going to be beneficial for you. But if you're at a place where you need them, I think of it again like a tool. So if you've got a shop, a workshop of some kind, and you're you're building stuff and another tool is going to make your job more efficient, you can pump out the widgets you know, twice as fast because you've got this tool, then absolutely you should use it. But if you think that just getting new tools is going to help <laughs> you sell more and make yeah. more things, it might not be the case. You might not need that tool. That tool might not be actually useful. You might not be able to utilize it to its full extent. So it's going to depend on what level you're at. I think the right tool for the job for where you're at and the type of job you're doing is what's going to be needed. So um, can extra third-party tools be super beneficial? Absolutely. Are they necessary? Well, it depends on on what kind of selling you're doing. You might be paying you know $50 a month for something that's getting you a half a percent difference and you're not actually making up that cost difference. So it's going to depend on your individual selling. But I think the higher you go, the more advanced tools you're going to need, but you're going to know when you need those tools. Yeah. And so I bring this up because this is something that's really pushed a lot, right? I mean, we, we ourselves, we have our ad for, you know, Vendu and Sellhound, right? To cross post. And so, you know, do we believe in this? Like, do, do we think it's useful? And it depends, right? Like you said, it depends. Are you utilizing it? So for example, like I'm a big believer in using tools such as Sellhound and such as Vendu because they allow you to, with Sellhound, you can scale if you need to. Like if you don't have the time to do a bunch of listing, you can take a bunch of pictures. Sellhound will actually create the listings, which are pretty good listings, and you'll get those sales and you're, you're able to do a lot fast. It's basically like hiring a VA, right? If you go with Vendu, it allows you to cross post, right? On multiple platforms, right? And But it all depends on your model. So for example, I think this time last year, I had talked on the podcast how I was sold on using Inventory Lab, and that was to process my Amazon shipments. I was sold on using an app such as Profit and Bandit or Scoutify to do my, you know, not book scanning, but retail arbitrage scanning. I was sold on using repricers, all these things. And now I've retreated a little bit. And this is and this is why. So this summer I had shared about how I had this one hot item and I went deep on that item. I sold, I think it was close to 700 units, somewhere around there. Not once did I use inventory lab. Not once did I use any kind of scanning app. Not once did I use a repricer. And I still made all kinds of profit. It wasn't, it wasn't needed. The Amazon seller app actually had everything I needed in there. 
it told me, you know, if I if I put in the right information, it told me how much net profit I was going to make on each item. Now, with Amazon, there's always those hidden fees. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not reading it right. But it was enough where I knew it was going to be profitable, right? The scanning, I didn't need this, the scanning app because if I use my Amazon seller app, it told me everything. I didn't need inventory lab because Amazon, for example, I talk about now has the send to Amazon where you create templates for items. So if I'm buying a hundred of the same item and I know how much each box and how many items are in each box and the dimensions, I just go to that template and I say, Hey, I'm going to send out 10 boxes of this item that has 10 in each box. And that's all I have to do. I don't have to go to inventory lab. Now there's a lot of good things in inventory lab, such as where I can put information, where did I source it? You know, I, as far as, you know, what was my ROI? How did things change? There's a lot of data in there, right? That could be helpful. But it, it's interesting because I've I've kind of gone 180 on that. I've gone back to my roots where I just used the Amazon seller app years ago and I was fine. And last year I really felt the need. And, you know, this is why I'm I'm not we're not gonna push certain apps that I'm not using. Like I'll use Vendu, I'll use Sellhound, especially after Q4 when I'm going back to not just eBay and Amazon, because right now I'm all eBay, Amazon, right? I'm, I'm just Amazon, 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 and eBay. I don't have time to work with the other platforms, but come January, I'm going to be all over Poshmark. I'm going to be all over Mercari because then I'm going back to selling secondary items and I'm going to need more visibility. So I'm going to also be using Depop and other platforms to sell items. So I don't I, I just say be careful because sometimes when things are being pushed, it's not being pushed for the sake of, hey, this is going to help someone. <laughs> Instead, it may help somebody's bottom line uh, by the affiliate fees they get from it. Yeah, for sure. It's like every industry has this. Um, I mean, you see this in like the fitness industry or bodybuilding industry where they try and sell a supplement and people who are out of shape think they buy the supplement. It's going to make a difference. And it's like, Hey, what are you talking about? I'm sure. <laughs> um, or, or, or cycling, I think is a good example. If you're a cyclist and you are already an elite cyclist, then changing from a certain wheel type to like a carbon fiber where you're looking at like half an ounce difference in weight. If you are an elite cyclist, that might make a 10 second difference over the course of 10 miles. And that's what you need. But if you're the average Joe buying that tool, buying that, that, thing isn't actually going to help you. But so many people are like, well, that's what the elite people are doing. That's what I need to do. So again, that goes back to some of our podcasts of don't compare yourself to others. Just because other people are using tools, they might be at a place where their business needs that tool because of the way they operate. But that doesn't mean there's not a direct correlation of, well, if I buy that tool, that means I'm going to be where they're at. Right. So just know where you're at, know what you need. You do get that feeling though. Yeah. Like I remember when I would walk in a store, I had my scanner and I was using the inventory lab and the repricer and all this. I'm like, my Amazon sales are going to take, it did, it did it didn't make a difference. Like I, and I could be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but use what works best for your business. So that's kind of a, maybe. Yeah. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. All right. What about, about keeping items in stock? Um, <laughs> this would probably be more towards like an Amazon store. Yeah. Well, it's eBay too, though. I mean, if you got replenishables, I don't really sell replenishables. Okay. So, um, to me, would I say this is necessary? Uh, no, I mean, I'm successful without having a replenishable store. Um, now, if I move to a replenishable store, absolutely, you should probably have items in stock because, uh, you know, having having an item in stock is going to mean people coming to your store, converting, having that um, having that that sale that you need. So, yeah. well, I think I, I so now so th you read it right, and that's what you interpreted. I'm thinking about for drop shipping. I'm thinking about for if you have a hot item but you don't have it in hand. Right. You did a pre-order. 
right? And you list it, which is kind of weird that eBay allows all that. I still think it's interesting. So this one, I, I can't tell you. I get DMs. <clears throat> we both get DMs every week about somebody saying, hey, I pre-ordered this item. I listed it on eBay. And for whatever reason, the store was out of stock and I already sold it. Right. Or, you know, Amazon, Amazon, same thing. I was drop shipping this on uh, Merchant Fulfilled on Amazon. I thought I had access to the item. I don't have access to the item. What do I do? Right. And it's to me, this is super important. Like you, you got to be careful with this because the number one defect you can get on any platform specifically on Amazon, it's kind of the tier. Amazon, if you get a thing of not having an item in stock and you have to cancel an order, it is bad for your metrics. Bad. And you got to find a way to work around it. So last year, for example, I sold... Uh, do you remember those Luva Bella? That, that's the other things that haunt me. But they were, they, they were selling for good money at a point in time. I can't find them anywhere. If you find them, they're probably worth money right now. There, there's our Bolo, even though this is not a Bolo episode. And I remember... I thought I had it in stock for some reason. I think what was happening, I was getting an FBA return and I was waiting for it to show up in the mail. And oh no, this is what happened. I sold it on eBay. I shipped it on eBay. I forgot that the Amazon listing was up and it sold on Amazon and I didn't have the item. Now, the worst thing that I could have done is cancel that order. So you have to make it happen. So keeping items in stock you're going to lose sleep if you don't have them in stock. Cause I could not drop ship that item. I try to find on eBay. Well, I could, I would probably lost 50, $60 because the cost that I paid for that item was nowhere near what it was selling for on eBay and other platforms. But eventually I found it. And actually I found it on, on Amazon from a third party seller. But here's what happened. It was FBA. I put in the order that person, whatever happened, it never arrived to the individual. Hmm. But I got lucky. It was a business, and I think they just never noticed. Hmm. So what ended up happening at the end is I just refunded. I never heard a peep. It's been over a year. Never heard a thing. But here's the thing. The metric hurts. It's the same thing with eBay. right? eBay, if you have an out-of-stock item... Right, and you cancel it unless you put buy request to cancel order, it really does slow you down. It does slow you down in the algorithm. I can tell you from and and you know this is all speculation, but I, I remember eBay rep saying that they actually the algorithm reads messages. So if you have anything like, hey, this item is not available, or this item is out of stock, it can slow down your sales. So, so that's what I mean. So if you're listing, be really careful that you have the item in hand. And especially the pre, I don't know. Somebody let us know in the in the in the. We comments. could call that inventory management too, like proper inventory management. Yeah, absolutely. That's, oh yeah, hundred hundred percent. You know, yesterday, no matter how hard I work inventory, I had a. Here's the thing, especially if they're not that, um, profitable. I had a twelve dollar Christmas stocking disappear. I spent an hour and a half looking for it. Now I messaged them to cancel, but they didn't message me back. So I kept and luckily I found it. But yes, inventory management is important. Having items in stock is uber important. So if you're brand new to reselling and somebody's saying, Oh yeah, I just listed, you can go. Like I know some people that go, they have a certain store that's let's say within, you know, half a mile of them and they know what's in stock. So they'll list the items in that store. 
And then when it sells, they'll go to that store, they'll buy it, and then they'll ship it out. You're playing a tricky game when you do that. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it sounds nice, doesn't it? Like, yeah. you're not spending any capital. I can almost imagine, like, an employee of a store doing that. Like, as... as Oh, if but that's safe. It, if they that's see safe. it sell out, then they take it off really quick, right? And we even talked jokingly about somebody who just kind of their eight-hour day is in a store with a few hot items that they're listed and they don't want to buy it until it sells. And if it goes out, then they... So that you can manage your inventory as you're walking around Walmart or Target or whatever. Uh, a store within a store? That's right. Oh, my God. It's your office. Anyways, all right. What about the, having an eBay store? Now, now you, you... I want to ask you this because we've answered this a few times. But now, after a year, year, what are you, 2.5 now in, in reselling? Yeah, I think so. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, I, I mean, if, you're, if you've got enough items where you need it, for sure. If you're only selling a few items each, each month, then it's probably not necessarily for an eBay store. But most people are probably going to move up quickly to 100, a few hundred, five, 600 items. And so an eBay store is going to save you money in the long run uh, because you're going to pay less for listings. Uh, you get some benefits, you get some some extra features and functionality, occasional coupons. So yeah, an eBay store is cost of business. Uh, does it does it stink sometimes? You're paying, and then you're also paying insertion fees, and then you're also paying final value fees. Yeah, do I wish it was a, a better program for sure? But it's also like people will argue it's better than having a brick and mortar store. So um, I'm not paying electricity, and I'm not paying all these other things that I would pay if I was you know a, a regular store. So yeah, I think I think having an eBay store is definitely beneficial. There's enough there's enough benefits that come from it. Um, do they double, triple, quadruple dip sometimes? Yeah, but um, we love eBay, and and that's just the price you pay. <laughs> quadruple dip. Let's see, promoted listings, insertion fees, eBay store, another fee. final value fee, a final. Oh yeah, okay, all right, wow, wow, all right, okay. So we had a whole episode about that though. So okay. Now, th- I'm pretty extreme when how important it is to be an eBay store. I, I, I make the argument, I used to make it at 50. I'm kind of at the argument, like, if you have 25 items, I think it's worth it to you. And this is why I say this, is the ability to do a markdown sale, right? Because that, that separates you from the crowd. And I do think if you have a sale, it'll push you up in the search. The other way, other reason is the Terapeak tool. I think the Terapeak tool, especially now that completely is gone, is completely gone, no pun intended. Hopefully it comes back. Terapeak is so powerful because Terapeak, if you go on there and, and maybe we need to have a, a Terapeak, I don't know, would a Terapeak episode be <laughs> not so good? I don't know. Some people have asked, like, "Hey, it'd be nice to get a you know play by play how to use therapy." To me, that'd be like a ten minute YouTube a YouTube video. Okay, video. yeah, maybe maybe we need that's not a tough video to make. Maybe we need no. to do that. So, but therapy, you know, tells you what sells in season. It tells you, you know, how do people do shipping? Do they sell stuff at free shipping? Do they sell at what cost of shipping? It tells you the sell through. It tells you all these items. So for me. It's kind of like you're not just paying so you have it a store. And we'll talk. Actually, we, we should make the next one. Uh, you know, an eBay store isn't necessarily important because you have a store. Like, do you think people care if you have a store? Do, do the people care? No, I think people care. People are looking at your metrics, right? They look at how many how many reviews you have. Do they care what store subscription you're paying for? I don't no, no. So. Do they care that you have an eBay store? Like, do they care that if they go to, you know, they go to Mike's, you know, um, I don't know what, what we'll call your store, Mike's things. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think most people are looking for an item. Whenever I buy something on eBay, unless it's like a very unique, like if I'm buying, for instance, Magic the Gathering cards, okay, and I'm buying a, a set of them, and I see that the store that I'm buying this from is that's all they sell is Magic the Gathering cards and they've got great reviews and that's what they're known for. It might build some trust, but the type of stores we are selling where it's just random things, people are going to see, hey, they have 700 star, you know, 700 reviews, all positive. They're not going to click on my store and say like, well, let's see how his store looks and let me see if he has a store. They want to know what's this item? Does it have good pictures? Is it a good description? And they're going to buy it based off of the item and based off of my reviews. I don't I, maybe there's a handful of people who are like looking at stores. I don't think that's most people though. No, I I, I agree. I, so is having an EV store is important? Yes, but not for the reasons you think. Let's put it there, right? Now let's let's add this let's add a little bit to that though. So I see a lot of people like we've actually been DM like, hey, can you take a look at our store? Can you see what's going on in our store? Do you think the way your store is set up is important? Now, I think when somebody asks that, if somebody says, look at my store, I think what they're really saying is, can you check my pricing? Can you check my pictures? Can you check my descriptions? So I think that that you can get some like assistance and help with someone says, hey, can you look at my store and tell me what if I'm doing things wrong? But again, I don't think I don't think for the most part it's gonna matter. Now, if you're the type of seller who saying you're selling car parts and you've got a store and you've got like all of the different You've got categories and people can easily access and you're kind of a go-to store for car parts and people know, hey, I've got a Toyota 4Runner and this person sells 4Runner stuff and you know they've got it all organized and I can trust them. Maybe the the look of your store is going to matter more. But if you're selling, if you're selling widgets and gadgets and thingamabobs, then probably not. Yeah. And, and the reason I say this because there's there's a lot of store reviews, right? And I always wonder when people offer store reviews, like what do they mean by store reviews? Like for example, you know, you have categories in stores. Like do you, have you ever set up categories in your store? <laughs> no, right? I have categories. I think I have like Harley items in my electronics at times. I have, you know, I have a uh, cowboy boots in, in my toy section of my store, but no one's like, I don't even, is it, is it set up? I can't remember. Is it set up where like you can click on a category in a store? Maybe. I don't know. I think most people, again, they're using the search bar at the top, right? They're yeah. looking in the search bar and they want to search. Harley using boot. the left. That's what we were being told. Well, they might put in metrics, right? Yeah. But they're not, they're not looking at your store and then like searching within your store. If they're looking for size eight Harley boots that are leather with a certain type of buckle and they type that in, they're going to see those items and they don't care about what the store looks like. Again, when I think people are asking for a store review, I could be wrong, but I think they're probably asking, hey, can you please just look at my items? Are my pictures okay? Are my listing? Am I charging too much for shipping? Um, am I Are my pictures too far away? Right. So when we did that Poshmark, um, we went to Poshfest or whatever it was called. Um, the The thing that there were people who were doing that. They were doing kind of like posh store reviews. And I think that was a big part of what they were doing is like, hey, let's look. Let's. I'm going to sit down with you. Let's look at your inventory. How do your pictures look? Do you, what kind of sales are you running? So they're not really like looking at the store structure as much as they're, it's like a review of how are you as a reseller? So if I wanted you to kind of look and say, hey, Rolando, I, I'm struggling. I'm not getting sales. Can you check out my store? What I'm really saying is, can you look at my pictures? Can you look at my descriptions? Can you look at my prices? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And so I, I wanted to bring that up because I have actually had DMs and people are asking like, hey, Orlando, how do you set up your store categories? And I always message back. I said, I wouldn't even worry about it. Right. Because if people are searching they're like you said, they're using the search bar. Now, I do believe on the items on the left. I do use that. Like for myself, uh, when I'm trying to buy something or I'm trying to look at my competition, I try to look at 
you know, what is the new in comparison to the used? I look at, you know, is it free shipping? Do you pay shipping? You know, what country of origin, depending on the item. So yeah, the, the stuff on the left is important, but well, like we Those said- Those are item specific, so not like your store categories. Correct, correct, yeah. correct. But what's more important is your listing. Yeah. Like that's what you need to look at. So you need to take a look at, you know, what is your pricing in comparison to others, right? So sometimes people will message and say, Orlando, I'm not getting any sales. I don't know what to do. And the the things I break down is first of all is okay. Number one, what is your what is your listing look like? What your price is your price competitive? Are you sometimes you might be too low, and people are you, you become just you know part of the crowd and you're you're not noticeable because your price is too low. If your price was higher, people would look at it and say, "Huh, I wonder why this costs more." Right, and it'll bring attention to it. What's your return policy? Right, if it's an item that individuals want to feel safe about sometimes. And we'll talk about this later on is a return policy. Is it important? Is, does your return policy lead to more sales? Are you a top rated seller? Do you have that badge on there? Right? Some people will talk about this in a little bit. Is it worth it to be a top rated seller? What, you know, is your picture one that sticks out? Do you make sure that whatever is a focus point is front and center of your picture or is it kind of a picture that you take away and people, when they're scrolling, they they pass up your item? So more important thing, your store is what does your listing look like? Which is, it's kind of one and the same, but it's different too, right? We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, PureHustle25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to Sellhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, PureHustle25. 25. All right. So those are the first few. We'll go through this next few uh, when we get to the next segment. But before we do that, hey, if you haven't been following us on social media, we are Pierce of Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are Pierce of Cast on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, you can give us a call at 619 738 1170. That's 619 738 1170. Shoot us an email at Pierce of Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can watch us on YouTube if you're noticing us here on the podcast and you're like, Hey, I wonder what these bald guys look like. You can go to YouTube and speaking of bald. Yeah. Like I said, last time we, we probably should start using some powder because uh, our heads are so close now that we've been using the skull shaver, which uh, let me tell you, like I, I saw skull shaver like on Instagram ads and I was like, Oh, this looks so cool. But my first reaction when I see things like that is this has to be a gimmick. It has to be like, it can't be really that great. And because I've used for my face, if you see, I've got a pretty big beard. And in the past, when I, I had more of just like a, a goatee like Orlando has, I've used electric razors on my face and it never worked. They were terrible. And so I was like, is this all that Skull Shaver is going to be? And I have been so surprised at how the quality of the Skull Shaver is. Um, my head is it's fast to shave and it's getting really, really, really close. And I don't feel like it's a gimmick. You know, like I, so many times I buy electric razors for my face and I'm like, well, that was a waste of, you know, 40 bucks or 50 bucks. And, you know, you pay a little more for a skull shaver. But what I've learned in life is 
it is worth it sometimes to pay up. And you don't have to pay up as much if you use our promo code. So if you go to School Shaver, when you buy an item, use the promo code PURE, and that works for your entire order. So you can get, uh, they've got balms, they've got shaving cream, uh, which smells really good. Again, my wife loves the way it smells. She goes, mm, you smell so good. And they have stuff oh, for females too. Yeah. It's, it, they have a, a huge line of, of products on there. So. Yeah. so check it out and use promo code PURE. You can get a nice little discount and uh, and and let them know that uh, that we sent you by using that code PURE. And we appreciate it. All right. Along with the podcast too, appreciate all the iTunes reviews that you've been helped us, helping us out with. Again, helps us up in the algorithm. Above all, like I do, I, the reviews are really helpful, especially the feedback. When we hear about you guys enjoying the level up reviews, helps us out. I think now it's going to be a staple, right? But for a long time, we we're like, hey, do we want to keep doing the level up previews? And as always, if you want to say thank you in a monetary way, there's a membership to sign up for buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. That's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. All right. Now it's, now it's time for what everybody fast forward on the YouTube for. Yeah. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, and as always, we got some really good ones. I should, I should uh, just mute the audio on that, so it's just you dancing with no uh, music. Just the thing is, my my dance is just this, right? Or I got the cholo swing. I should, like, I don't have very much dance. We should meme it. I should like put it to like like polka audio or something, and and like just have you like totally groove into it. That'd be great. We could right. throw that on Instagram. It's okay. So we are doing our hustle of the week. Um, I'm assuming you're doing this one because uh, you have my name for all three. I want you to t- t- share all of them. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, I'm oh, doing the come on, one. man. All right. Um, so our first one is Wayne Instagram handle at Kway Shop. Good friend of the show. We we have lots of interaction. Uh, so thank you, Kway Shop. So picked up a Beauty and the Beast purse off of Poshmark for 250 bucks. That's paying up. And I'm assuming uh, either cross uh, posting or at least uh, uh, arbitrage through Poshmark. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So saw comps on oh, eBay. Definitely arbitrage. Saw comps on eBay and decided to list high due to being the only one listed. Previously, one used sold for 500 and new one sold for 725. Uh, so his used one sold on eBay in less than 24 hours for 725. dollars Think of the the amount of we talk a lot about like taking risks and doing big bold actions and and taking advantage of scenarios like there's no such thing as luck as it were as much as people who are willing to take advantage of opportunities when they show up and so having the capital having the knowledge to be able to say i'm going to drop 250 dollars on a poshmark sale uh, in order to significantly make more money on ebay but you had to be willing to take that risk you had to be willing to know that 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 inventory and again that's just that reminder of a lot of these hustles can come from platform to platform arbitrage. So don't be afraid to check Poshmark, to check eBay, to check Amazon, to buy things because uh, you can oftentimes flip them and make some good money. And I will be on the lookout for Beauty and the Beast. It's a Dooney and Burke. Ooh, nice. Those are nice. Now, I want to say a couple of things about Wayne. Wayne is a legit reseller. I mean, he paid off his car. He's debt free. Like you should follow the journey. And here's the thing. He only has 370 followers. Show him some love. Like this guy drops knowledge i learned from wayne kway shop on instagram and uh you know he just recently sc- scored on poshmark for 80 dollars a harley jacket two north face jackets a whole bunch of other stuff that he bundled so he's making it happen and we talked about this during the pandemic right sourcing from home it's right there so thank you wayne for sharing with that definitely inspires me motivates me always love learning from 
legit resellers. So thank you, KOA Shop. All right. So yes, I'll read this one. So it's interesting. So Eric, IG handle at Eric Goff, right? And what I like about this is that he actually DM me and he's like, I don't know if it's going to be a hustle of the week because this isn't as big as the ones that you guys talk about. And I want to let you guys know, like, maybe we do carry to get carried away sometimes. Right? Maybe we show the huge hustles of the week and, and I'm hoping it never comes across that, that it has to be some monumental thing to be a hustle of the week. No, because we're all in different stages in reselling. I mean, I still get excited when I have something that I paid the other day I paid $6.99 for a Superman vest from the Warner Brothers Studio Store, which is a store that shut down, and it sold for $75. It's not my hustle of the week, but I was pumped about that because yeah. there were no comps. People were selling for lower, and I'm like, no, I know this is worth more, and it made it happen. So continue to share with us. Continue to use that hashtag hustle of the week as long as Instagram eventually stops suppressing uh, people's ability to share what they want on social media. Hopefully, you'll be able to follow that again because I went back to it again, and I still can't find information so hopefully hopefully that'll be done maybe by january 21st they'll finally stop doing that so all right so eric goff fellow educator by the way was looking to supplement income and that's we want to hear those stories because as teachers like reselling changed the game for us right i mean i was doing saturday school for a hundred dollars on saturday i make way more than that on the garage though right so so he said found our podcast through instagram so appreciate that uh, for letting us know it's it's worth us you know putting value out there uh picked up a dimensions paint by numbers kit have you seen a paint by numbers kit before i have yeah yeah right and this is like oh this is this reminds me like og reseller like this used to be big but no one really talks about this as much so picked up a paint by numbers kit a by dimension at a thrift store after hearing us discuss craft kits on the podcast paid a dollar listed in the parking lot so i'm wondering if he used the white background removal Heck yeah. Right. Might That's on well. the eBay app. But sold it by the time you got home for $50. Nice. That is hustle of the week. That's that great. is hustle of the week. Yeah. That's good. Like, think about that. Like, what was that turnaround? 20 minutes? I mean, maybe his house was like five hours away, but I'm guessing it was only a half hour or something. Yeah. No, that's great. That's really good. All right. Thank oh. you so much for sharing that, Eric. All right. Our next one comes from Alex, IG handle at flip for more on Instagram. Uh, one of our repeat hustles of the week. So, I went don't know to- which one this is. So went to a thrift store and picked up an item in a discreet box at a thrift store. It cost $20 and it was a Star Trek tri-dimensional chess set by the Franklin Mint. Uh, so we talked about chess on a couple of episodes ago. And this would be more of uh, a collector's piece, right? Because it's it's uh, Star Trek and it's also tri-dimensional. So it's not going to be your traditional chess set. Uh, but again, knowing that you're, you're combining two things, right? Chess is huge. There's a lot of interest in there and something that's collectible, something that people are also into Star Trek. You can sell Star Trek almost anything. And so... Uh, chess sets are going up, though. I know. Like, it's 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 happening. That's, I said uh, it. Resolicious, one of our listeners, did an Instagram story and she was looking at chess sets because she heard it on the podcast. And sure enough, there's money being made there on yeah. chess sets. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so anyways, listed it, paid $20, mind you, and listed it on eBay and sold it for $450. So here's some keywords for you. Chess, Star Trek, Franklin Mint. Okay. Now- Or maybe, just Chess, Franklin Mint. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a different, uh, uh, a different market or a different uh, hobby that, that they're kind of capitalizing on. But yeah, look for those things. If you look for those unique things, Franklin Mint is great. Chess sets are great. Star Trek is great. So we always talk about that with like even uh, collab shoes, right? So as many things as you can combine interests, you're going to be able to get 
higher and higher value off of. So, uh, so what cracked job, me Alex. up is that Alex, after he listens to the podcast, it sold and he posted and he said, speaking of chess sets and he tagged us on it. And that's what brought our attention to it. So yeah. Nice. Wow. I, ch- I have not sold a chess set in a long time. I remember, uh, I remember like the electronic ones do really well. Do you remember those? Yeah, they actually have new ones now um, that you can actually play over Wi-Fi with people or yes. through the internet where the pieces will move on their own. What? Yeah, so like if, say me and you are playing, I'm at my house, you're at your house. Like it's a three-dimensional Yeah, chess it's a regular set? It's a regular like looking chess set. I mean, a really nice looking chess set. But if I move my pawn forward, then on your, on your board, that pawn will move forward on its own. Like what? magnetically, it moves it. Crazy, what? right? That is... Kind of scary a little bit. Right? That the is future crazy. is now. It reminds me of Star Wars. Remember when they would play the games and like the creatures actually like moved? Mm. Maybe that's the next level. That's that's what comes next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. What is your hustle of the week? All right. So um, I bought a while ago a, a cricket or cricut, however you want to say it. Um, like cricket. It, it was a bag and it had all the stuff in it. And it had the the cutter. And again, it's like the basic one. It's like just the the, the cry cutter cricket personal. So it's not like the uh, a super high end one. Uh, and I, I tend to be able to pick them up for like 15 bucks sometimes. And you can still sell them for like 50. Uh, I do a lot of times local. Sometimes I, I can get it for a little more, $75. Do you remember the days we weren't going to share that? Yeah. Um, but I picked this up a while ago and I hadn't listed it locally. And so I take the bag out and I start opening up and I realize inside some of the pouches were cartridges. Nice. And so I, I don't know because I bought it so long ago if I knew those cartridges were there, but it was like a surprise. It was, <laughs> it was I know I paid very low for this kit and I'm pulling out these cartridges and I think there was a total of eight cartridges in this bag. And I start looking at them and um, some of them are selling for like $30, $40 each cartridge. Nice. Some of them are like your $15 cartridges, but several of them were very expensive cartridges. And so I listed all of those separately instead of trying to sell it as like a kit. And they've been selling, they've been flying off the shelf, pretty much gotten rid of all those cartridges. So it's kind of nice. The reason it's a hustle is, you know, we've talked before, you know, briefly, you've given your story about, you know, buying a bag and then the amount you paid for it, the money was in the the thing, right? Like, so you never know what's inside of something. So you might buy something I've bought, I've bought, you know, uh, games and you open up and it's a different game inside, or it's a different movie (laughs) inside, or it's a different... And so a lot of times you get kind of the the short end of the stick on that. But every once in a while, you buy a box of whatever you think something is and you open it up and it's actually something better inside. So, um, you know, keep your your eyes out on that. And and isn't that one of like the, uh, it's not really the holy grail, but it's like a checklist item everybody wants to get is to buy a pair of pants at a store or buy a jacket and to have like a $20 bill inside. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it happens. People have those stories. So uh, hustle the week because the more things you're buying the more likely you're going to get those random surprises of, wow, there was money in this. Or there were extra items that I'm going to be able to part out and sell and make even more than I was anticipating making in the beginning. So, yeah. So one thing I will say, warning with the Cricut cartridges, make sure that you put on there untested or not linked or unknown if it's linked because a lot of the older models, they're linked to machines. And so if you sell it and you don't put any description, they may say, hey, this doesn't work. It was already linked to another machine. You might end up with a return. So mm-hmm. they still they're still to me, they're a hustle and they're a bolo because all I do is on my listing. I just put untested, unknown whether it item is linked and people will still buy it. I don't know if there's a hack. I don't know if there's a workaround. I'm sure somebody out there that's listening to this knows. So let us know in the YouTube comments. I wish we had podcast comments. Like if people could could do that, that'd be great. But yeah, just be aware that, yeah, but cricket, I remember I shared that because I think it was like episode six or seven. I'm like, I don't know if we want to share about cricket. 
Right, but it didn't kill the market. Like we still go to garage sales and it's completely ignored. So anyways, that's Bolo. All right. So mine is a retail arbitrage one, which I normally don't share them, but I think enough time has passed. And I think the, if the, and I'm not sharing exactly where I source this items, but so I've talked about where I've been sourcing off price stores. And, you know, the, the problem is when you share retail Bolo, like it's easy access. Right. And so I'm, I'm very careful about this, but I think on this one, I think the time has passed. And so I'm, I'm willing to share it now. As I was doing, I was looking for toys. I came across these Pendleton blankets that were being sold and the, they're, they're about 40 bucks. And I started looking up comps and I'm like, Oh wow. Like these are selling for a hundred, 150. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's too late. Maybe, you know, there's not around. So I went through all of SoCal. So they're not anywhere in SoCal. And I went to every single store that carries these and I bought out every single one of these blankets. And I, I think I picked up, I want to say probably 20 to 30. I can't remember how much, 20 to 30. But I listed all of them and then they didn't sell. And I'm like, oh, like this isn't good. Like what? Great. I just dropped. What is that? $800 at the least, right? On all these blankets, right? Make sure you use seller's permit so you're not paying sales tax. And then out of nowhere, sale, 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 sale. They just started selling for 100, 125. Sometimes I took an offer of 90, right? But this is when retail arbitrage is nice because it, it was over 100% ROI. And so I was kind of scared because, you know, Mike knows this about me. Like if I see a hot item, like, I will buy as many as I can of that item, right? To my detriment, right? <laughs> like that day you saw that vehicle full of Jojo Siva dolls, which I still made profit on it, but not anywhere close to what I thought. And I probably created the shortage in San Diego myself. <laughs> I 100% believe that. Like between me and Mike, I think we bought out every single one of those in San Diego County. And so that's what I was scared of. I was scared that I had sourced my way into debt but they've all been paying off. So this is what I'll say. It's Q4. Hot items are new items at this point in time, but they're not just toys. There are other items out there that sell for good money. So keep an eye. Don't lose focus. Understand that people are looking for other items. And this is an item that, you know, I was just shocked because people could walk into a store and buy this. But yet, you know, I think right now because of the pandemic, I think part of what's causing this is that people aren't going into stores and noticing and they're like, huh, this must be unique. This must be rare. And so they're paying up on it. So that is my hustle of the week. So, Hey, thanks nice. again. K way shop, Eric Goff and flip for more on Instagram for sharing your hustles of the week. All right. Back to our regularly scheduled, oh, regular, regularly scheduled program. Doo -doo -doo -doo. I fumble too much. Sometimes. That's all right. You get, you get excited. I get excited. I'm like a kid. Like you just talked to me like I was a kid. Like, it's okay, Orlando. You get excited. You just, you have a lot to say and you want to say it quickly and, you know, it comes, it comes out and, and, and it know, fumbles. It's that passion that people enjoy. So, all right. So let's talk about if it's, is it important to ship right away? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. Um, that's it. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, that's an easy one. Um, now, Depending on the the item, depending on what's going on in the, in the climate in the the climate of the culture, um, it, it's always going to be better to ship right away. I think in certain circumstances, people are going to understand if it's if it's uh, delayed shipping or one of the times where maybe not shipping right away 
you put your store on a vacation mode or you extend the, uh, rather than putting it on vacation mode, you extend the handling time and you just message people, right? And so unfortunately you're stuck with the, what is it like five days or three days, five mm-hmm. days, 15 days or 10 days, 15 days. Like you can't just say like, I'm going to be gone for eight days, right? Like you automatically have to jump up to that next level. So as soon as something sells, you message somebody and say, here's the date. I'm going to be able to ship this out if that's okay. Otherwise you can cancel the order and people can be okay with that. And so it's not necessarily always going to hurt you, but if you can ship stuff out right away, I mean, one of the most number one feedbacks that we get is, is fast shipping or can't believe it came so quickly. And I know that's one of those things like everybody gets like, you know, a plus seller, the template, the template feedback, Um, but but having that, um, having that kind of feedback, people are going to know, hey, I want to buy this thing. I'm giving it to my aunt for her birthday and her birthday is next week. Is it going to be here on time? And if they look at your reviews and they see fast shipping, fast shipping, fast shipping, that's going to help you as opposed to if you've got a bunch in there that said, you know, took too long to get here. It was slow shipping. You might be losing sales. Yeah, agree. Now, I do want to share that I've been slacking on my shipping lately, wah, wah, and it, wah. but it hasn't hurt my sales. Let me explain why. So I've been doing a lot of retail arbitrage on the road, right? So, you know, after this podcast, I'm going to be gone for two or three days on the road. I'm not changing my handling time. So I, again, this is going to be sketch. And so don't come at me. I'm just sharing what I'm doing. I'm not saying do this, but this is what I've been doing on the road. I'll get back to my hotel and I already have, you know, by the way, my thermal printer is so amazing on the road so tiny and compact the only thing i hate is the extra paper yeah but if you were bringing a regular printer you'd be carrying extra paper too true true true. but what i hate is sometimes like it gets all you know discombobulated and Mm. the sticky stuff and i already had like the sticky stuff stick inside my label printer Hmm. and it wouldn't and like allow people to go in and that was a pain to get out so anyways it doesn't matter so i'll go back to the hotel and i'll print all the labels of the items that sold See, because what what eBay is looking at, and they said this in their latest update, is that they're looking that you are shipping on time based on what you promise, right? So if you say same day, what that means is you're printing that same day. Now, at this point in time, they're not tracking as to my to my knowledge if the post office is scanning on time because there's been so many issues at the post office. They've just said, hey, as long as you are printing the item on time and it arrives to the individual at said time, then you're okay. So, for example, this last trip I went to, I was gone on I was gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And all the items that sold on Thursday night, I couldn't ship out Friday. I ended up shipping out Saturday, but I printed out all those labels on Thursday, Thursday evening. And it didn't matter because it got to the individuals on time. So what I did is if it was like a, an item that was a first class item or so on, and I wanted it to get there faster, I ended up, you know, shipping it in a, I ended up printing a padded envelope, right? Cause it's going to be priority and it's going to get there faster. Right. And I was worried about my metrics and I looked about my metrics and my metrics were good. Hmm. Right. I didn't get any late shipment ding because all the items got to the buyer on time actually earlier because here's the thing ebay does give you some leeway right and so it got to everybody on time and i was good to go now i'm not saying do that but that's what i'm doing on the road i'm printing out the shipping labels now make sure you print it out because i've also done it where i've shared where i print it but it doesn't print anywhere it's off my phone 
and I go back and I, I go to print it at home and I can't print it anymore because whatever the time has lapsed. So I have to void that label and print another shipping label, which ends up initially you lose money because you're waiting for the post office to refund you later on because you never use that label that you voided. But just something to be aware of. But here's the thing. I say this because you got to measure what's in your best interest. So for me, right, going back home and finding that item, packing it and shipping it while I'm on the road doing retail arbitrage is not worth it to me. Changing my handling time right now is not worth it to me because it's only two days. And because the eBay system is flawed right now, I've shared this before that if I have offers that I've sent out, I can't change the handling time on the items. So I'm doomed anyways. And then if I do change my handling time and I go back and I sent offers while I was on the road, I can't change. I can't change anything. And so what ends up happening, I'll have items that will have three day handling time until that whole 72 hour process, whatever 48 hour process ends. And I'm, I'm, I'm too busy to take the time to go, okay, this item, all right, I sent offers on these. So on this day, I need to make sure I change my handling time. And then it's just, it's too much. Like, I really hope that eBay fixes that because it's really time consuming. The only way I've been able to really fix that is to call eBay, explain to them the situation and then have them whatever override things. But even then that's time. So is shipping right away important? hundred percent. This is why I print the labels. This is why, because it keeps the algorithm triggered. It keeps your customer satisfied. And in the end, it allows you to get more sales. Yeah, and if you're listening to this in the future, some of this might not be as, uh, Correct. as applicable because right now we're in this unique time where, where eBay recognizes that the post office is slow, the UPS is slow, the things uh, that post office isn't always scanning things. So they're giving leeway to sellers. Now, if things change and they expect, hey, this needs to get to the post office and the post office needs to scan it and they're pretty reliable on time, then you might be held more accountable to not just having the label printed, but actually having it scanned at the post office. So utilize this time while it's available. And if it's not available anymore, then 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 ship right away. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> that needed to be said. We, we haven't talked about like, hey, if you're listening to episode 29, it may not be as relevant, but a lot of it's still relevant. So, all right. What about having a return policy? Do you think that's important? Yeah, I think... Um, Having a return policy definitely helped uh, some of my sales. Again, it's one of those things where uh, you're going to you're going to be eating the cost of some items, right? You're going to potentially lose money accepting returns. Like I, I didn't accept returns for a long time. Then I had implemented a return policy, and I, I'd say my sales increased. I don't know what the exact number is. I'd have to look through all my data, but you know, let's just say the sales increased by fifteen percent, and um, then I have to eat the cost on one or two percent of my items, right? That that ends up being a fair trade, right? If if my if I'm selling fifteen percent more items and two percent of the items I sell, I have to eat the cost on. I'm still coming out net benefit by having a return policy um, because I you know I'm paying shipping back or whatever the situation is. Or sometimes it's not even worth paying the shipping back. I had a couple items recently where I just told the customer. Uh, throw it away or donate it, right? Like I don't want it back because it's going to cost me more to have you send yeah, it back. True. And if it, you know that you showed me that there was a rip in it or whatever the situation was, um, it's just not worth it. So um, yeah, that's a bummer that occasionally that happens. And I've actually had more returns and refund requests recently um, after saying how I haven't had many at all. So it's kind of a bummer. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I would say my my sales went up, and and part of it is I think 
Um, when I went to go buy myself something and it was like a, a more expensive item, yeah, I'm looking at, do, do they accept returns? Because I want to make sure this works. And I feel more confident buying something that has a return. A, you know, they're willing to take a return. Uh, so if I'm looking at two options and there's a $5 difference, but one of them takes returns, I look at that as $5 insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely think sales will increase with the return policy. Um, but you also have to recognize that you're, you're, you are going to have some some extra cost to that. But as long as the cost doesn't outweigh the benefit, it's a win. Yeah, I, and I agree. It's it's industry standard, right? The return. I mean, I, I was thinking the other day, you know, when I drop stuff off at the UPS store, there's an Amazon stand at the UPS store mm. for people to return, right? And here's what's, here's what's interesting. If you don't like returns on eBay, don't sell on Amazon. Mm. Amazon is horrendous when it comes to returns. I just got, I was selling uh, a bunch of... Uh, toys i can't share what they are right now but i they, they don't even like inform me when i get returns anymore i don't know what happened maybe it's something in my settings but i got this huge box and i'm like huh i wonder what i did a removal order for i open it yeah it's all these toys that like opened one of the missing pieces just just garbage hmm. and it makes me sad now luckily my cost was low enough that i'll be able to lock these toys up and i'm gonna make my money back on it but it's it's a lot of babysitting on Am- I can tell you on Amazon, uh, I'm just gonna throw out random numbers. Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in sales, expect five thousand dollars in returns. Five percent isn't terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it hurts. Yeah. Right? It hurts. I mean, it doesn't no matter what. I mean, if you have a million, it's fifty thousand. Well, it's it still yeah. hurts, right? And so, but the reason why Amazon is so adamant about returns is that people like the security. And I do too. When I buy stuff, I want to make sure I return it. And I want the return to be a simple process, right? I, on, on Amazon, it's really easy. I just go and I just say why it didn't work out. And usually most of the time it's free and I can return it, right? If it costs me money to return something, I'll think about it. Right. And so that that's kind of the the go between if you're on eBay. Right. You may not like you don't have free returns right now. Right. Um, no, I have a customer page return. OK, see, I have free returns. Right. And it, it hurts. Right. Especially when it's shipping, especially when people return something to me in a first class label, but it's a priority thing. And then eBay finds out and then they charge me on top of that. It's It's really bad, but it provides that security. Right. So. To me, it's really important that you have returns, but I think the leeway there is, you know, whether it's free or not when they return the item. All right. So I wanted to throw this out there. Do you think it's important to have the right dimensions when you ship flat rate? Um, I mean, I don't know if it matters so much for flat rate, right? If you're putting it into a flat rate box, right? Like a, like this is a medium flat rate box. Yeah. Yeah. It, it <laughs> there's no point. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna explain to you why there is why it's important. So there's two reasons. One is if you're shipping international, it's a big deal, hmm. right? Because if people are doing global shipping and your dimensions are off, so I, I feel terrible. This happened the other day, and I, I really the only way to fix it was to contact the buyer. I sold a book. And this person paid $160 to ship the, for the shipping of the book. Now, my initial cost was $9.99 priority. Now, I don't, I don't do media mail when it comes to certain books because I like the priority insurance 
And I also like that it ships faster. So in case people are wondering why I didn't do media mail. So I looked at this. So they pay $9.99 for it to get to Kentucky. But they paid an extra $150 to get to their location. Now, this is why I used a former template. Mm. And I think it was a bit. Oh, I know what it was. It was these Nancy Drew books that I, I sold, a big set. And so the weight was 65 pounds. And it was like 25 by 19 by 18 or something obnoxious. So I didn't change those dimensions. So I felt really bad because this person paid $160 in shipping for a $20 book. Hey, I mean, you know, if, if they're willing to pay it, like they knew what it was going to cost before they well, bought I, it. I, I know. I know. Obviously, this Just person. Just think though, you could have you could have charged more on the front end on the actual product. I, I trust me. All those thoughts. All right. Here's the other thing. I've had train sets that I put flat rate, like little, you know, railroad model cars. And I've had international buyers contact me and say, hey, I would love to buy this. But for some reason, shipping's over a hundred dollars. And I'll look, and it's like, sure enough, I I think I had a template and I just moved it over and it was like 50 pounds and the Ooh. and the little train piece only weighs eleven ounces, right? So be careful out there. I think it's really important to make sure your your items are accurate in their dimensions, even if it's flat rate, right? Because you're not thinking about just your domestic buyer, you're thinking about your global buyer. I like it. All right. What about, I, I think this top rated seller, it wasn't on my list. Do you think it's important to be a top rated seller yeah. on eBay? Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like you get you get um, a little bit of leeway from eBay. I think you get other benefits uh, as far as, um, you know, there's there's a lot of benefits top rated seller that, that come from eBay themselves. And then also that customer trust, right? They see you're a top rated seller. Um, if I'm buying something and it's a really good price, it might seem too good to be true, and it's a new seller or you know something like that, I'm not going to probably buy it. If it's a top-rated seller, though, I might say, "Hey, I trust this, right? I trust that that they're I'm just getting a good deal. And if there's a problem, like this person is going to take care of me because they're a top-rated seller. So uh, being a top-rated seller is really important. We've had a couple of, of returns that not all of them are our fault, uh, but people gave us inads for recently, and it's just like the frustration of no not another inad this wasn't even our fault uh do we call ebay on this and and there's that fear of are we going to lose our top rated seller status and so if we ever got to the place where it looked like we were going to lose top rated sellers top rated seller status you better believe i'm going to be calling ebay and i'm going to be fighting tooth and nail to get everything fixed that i can do you start with i mike a top rated seller yeah i should uh just so <laughs> you know um I, I want i want you to know who you're talking to i am a top rated seller so um yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure you already know that I'm a top rated seller because you know I'm so top rated. So I, I wanted to I wanted to end on this one because I think this is really important because we get questions all the time like, hey, I you know, is it worth it, right? Because what does it mean to be like, what do I need to do to be a top rated seller, right? So there there's some hoops you need to jump through to be part of the top rated seller program, right? So you know, you have to have an eBay account that's been active for at least ninety days, one hundred or more transactions, and a thousand dollars in sales a defect rate of less than or equal to 0.5%. And again, the main way to get a defect is by not having an item in stock. That's why it's super important to have that. Does the INAD count as a defect? INAD does not. Oh, okay, good. INAD goes into another, like they charge you 5% more yeah, on final In that category. Yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, I don't like that. Uh, if you have cases closed without seller resolution, this is one that we didn't talk about, but maybe we need to abbreviate real quick. If there's a case open, 
take care of that case. We actually have one that we took care of. We have all of the customer um, like back and forth that, you know, in the, in the messages. Yeah. And we got that. We got uh, case closed without customer resolution. Ooh. And so that's, a, that's not a good yeah, one. We're going to, we're, we're definitely going to be calling on that one here pretty soon. I just have been too lazy to do it, but we can say like, Hey, go look at the messages. Like we resolved this with the customer. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you don't want that. You don't want that defect. Yeah. So let me explain to you how, how important it is. If you get a case closed without a resolution, your sales will instantly drop. I, and I know most of you, I know somebody right now that listens to our podcast that I just saw their Instagram story that they ignored something or they got busy and then it closed and they were actually in the right, but it still hurt their sales. Right. I have a scenario right now. I think I mentioned this about the pair of boots that went to Russia and the person didn't want to give their information to the mm. postal agent. So they refused to pick it up. So they opened the case with GPS, eBay Global Shipping Program. I called eBay. They're like, oh, your funds. Here's what I don't like about managed payments. They're hold your funds no matter what, mm-hmm. as long as the return is open, whatever it is. So my funds were held as about over a hundred dollars. I called eBay. They're like, oh, well, it's global shipping. We got you. It's taken care of. Funds were released. Then the person opened a, dis, uh, a financial statement dispute that they didn't pay for it or something like that. And, that. and so as a result of it being before managed payments, I believe, my funds and with and managed payments. I don't, I don't know. eBay was trying to explain this to me, but anyways, another case was open. I said, do I really need to do this? You guys close this case. And they said, yes, because another case opened, you have to answer back, just add your tracking and we'll resolve it. And they said, this is really important because if you don't, and this gets closed, you, you're, you know, your sales may slow down. So they said that they actually said, your yeah. Sales may, huh? Yeah. So be careful about that because you don't want that happening to you. So that was a side note. So that's an extra important. Yes. Don't let cases close without you dealing with it. Please deal with it. All right. Back to top rated seller. Uh, late shipment rate less than equal or two, 3%. And maybe the advice I gave you know, five minutes ago shouldn't have been heard. Um, tracking uploaded uh, handling time and carry validated for 95% of transactions to U.S. buyers. And why, why is it not here? Why is this not on here? Oh, um, oh, here you go. Take your seller performance to the next level with top rated plus uh, 30 day or longer free return period. That's what I have. But this is weird. There's nothing here about returns. Yeah, because remember that was um, not for top rated seller, but there was for certain seller protections. Um, ah, you had to have okay. return. It didn't have to be free return, but you had to offer return to get certain solid protections. Ah, okay. That's what I wanted to talk about. That's why I wanted to say it was important. So eBay protects you. This is super important because I think this has played out so much. All right. So with eBay, right? If you get an issue, like here you go, exclusive protection for top rated sellers. Let's talk about this. Thank you, Mike. See, here's what I love about Mike. So People always say like, Mike, you know, he's still new, but I, I don't know if you're new anymore. That's right. All right. I think you're kind of seasoned. It's been two and a half years. I'm, I, I might not be OG. <laughs> I might not be a veteran, but I, I'm a little bit seasoned. I got like a little bit of salt and pepper on me now. <laughs> so, but, but there's stuff that I forget and you remind me. So this is why it's important to be a top rated seller and offer returns, right? It says top rated sellers who reside in the U.S. and list on eBay receive additional, you want the additional protections. Here you go. Here you go. When they offer 30 day or longer returns, doesn't have to be free. doesn't have to be free returns, but you need to offer 30 day. And this is why you get a return shipping label credit for faults, item not as described claims. So sometimes people try to get out of 
paying the return shipping, right? So they'll claim something false and then you have to, you know, pay for the return, right? eBay protects you if you offer 30-day returns, but this is the one that's really good. You're able to offer up to a 50% refund deduction for decreased value on used or damaged returns. When you issue a refund for an item that was returned after it was used or damaged by a buyer and you have a track record of delivering your service promise, we'll give you the ability to protect yourself by deducting up to 50% of the refund to recover the decreased value of the item. If there are any issues with buyers that may negatively impact you, we'll take care of them by removing any negative and neutral feedback defects and open cases and service metrics. And I can't tell you how many times this has been helpful. Like I send the new item person, whatever they open the item instantly, it's going to lose value, especially if it's sealed. Right. And I've had it where I've, I messaged, I said, Hey, unfortunately this item wasn't returned to me as when I originally shipped, I'm only going to be able to refund you 50%. And the person's like, Oh, you know, all upset. And I'm worried about negative feedback. And I've had an individual leave me. I believe it was neutral. And I've had a negative feedback. I've called eBay and said, Hey, I offer 30 day returns. This was new when I shipped it out. They're like, no problem. We'll take care of you. And they removed the negative feedback. So super important. So let's add to it. I, I would say it's important to be a top rated seller with 30 day returns. Yeah. You good with that? Good with that. All right. So hopefully this episode helped you kind of, you know, navigate what's important, what's not, what's a maybe and help you become a better seller and prioritize things. And with that being said, hey, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace. Peace.